This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Here's your host, Alex Nottingham. Welcome to another edition of Dental All-Stars. I want to share with you an excerpt of an interview I did with Eric Vickery called Case Presentation Formula. Take a listen. So welcome to our expert webinar. We have Eric Vickery on as our guest. And Eric has coached over 250 dental offices and has presented to thousands on case acceptance since 2001. His focus is on efficiency and productivity. Eric uses his coaching results tracker with all of his clients to improve the numbers and focus on self-funding coaching within 90 days. He's an expert on verbal skills, on the DISC profile personality, or profile rather, and many other things as well as having a passion for cancellations or getting rid of cancellations, right? Um, handling patient objections and asking for referrals. And I think most awesome is Eric is one of our amazing all-star coaches. He is our most senior coach. He's been with us from the very beginning. We're so honored to have him uh, on this expert webinar, and I know you're going to love to hear more about case acceptance. So without further ado, Eric Vickery. Uh, thanks, Alex. Appreciate you having me, and it's an honor to be a part of the All-Star team. So thank you very much. I think all of that introduction just means I'm, I'm old or I'm getting old, right? So today I want to really focus in how to make it easy for our teams to have case acceptance. Not case presentation, but case acceptance. And I think the first thing that we have to understand when it comes to just overall case acceptance is case presentation is the fact that, you know, people are out there looking to make a purchase and they don't want to be forced into something. They want to be buying for their own reasons, not your reasons. And that's a, that's a sales fact. And, and the bottom line, when I do seminars and we're traveling around and we're talking to groups, and we say, hey, who here loves sales? Not a whole lot of people raise their hand in the room. And I think the reason is the word sell or sales or sale has a real negative connotation when it comes to dentistry. And... By the end of, of the day, when we're talking about this sort of topic, people get it that, hey, it's, it's not a bad thing. And, you know, I think broke would be a bigger problem than it would be to, to figure out how to do selling. The negative connotation comes from, oh, you've been sold. You were taken advantage of. You were pressured into doing something. And so one of the things we're really going to focus on today is how to take pressure out of the conversation where you don't feel like your palms are sweaty and you're worried about what the patient thinks of you and you don't want to come across as salesy. At the same time, we don't want the patient to feel like they're getting pressured. And so we're going we're gonna to deal with a couple facts. This is fact number one here, people buying for their reasons, not your reasons. We're going to talk about what that why is. And we're going to talk about how, how we use that in, in case presentation. Where it really comes from, and I know, Alex, you've heard this a lot, is push purchase versus a pull purchase. And, and what does that mean? And the, the push purchase is really synonymous with I need. I need that. I need that to survive. So I need to go get gas. I, I need to go to the grocery store. Uh, I need to pay the bills. Those are needs that we have in our lives that we budget for. 
most people don't budget for dentistry. They don't budget that. That's not in the budget. You'll hear people, patients will say all the time, well, I'm on a fixed income. I don't know a lot of people who aren't on a fixed income. We don't typically get a raise every month. I think what they're trying to say is we weren't prepared for this. And so how do we get out of our patients seeing dentistry as a push or a need purchase, right? You need a crown. You need a filling. And move it into, into what in terminology would be a pull purchase or a want. And pull purchases sound like, I want to go to the movies. I want to go out to eat. I want to buy a new car. Those are things that we take more enjoyment out of writing the check for, paying the bills on, you know, paying for that bill. Most people love and spend the most time and the most budgeting in their lives for one thing. And that one thing typically is a vacation. That is the number one thing people tend to focus on how am I going to make this happen? They don't sit there and go, how am I going to budget my dentistry? Most patients call in and say, I need a cleaning. I know I need a lot of dental work done. I know I need a lot of work done. We hear that on the phone all the time. And so patients' approach to the dental office is it is a push purchase. A while back, my hot water heater went out. Uh, maybe two years later, uh, one of my AC units went out. I live in California, and hot water heater, air conditioner, either of those would fall under a push purchase. Not excited about spending money on that. It's not in the budget, and they're big-ticket items, similar to a dental treatment plan. So I had to figure out how to make those things work because they were a push purchase and need. I joke a lot and say, you know, need, when you come across a patient say, you need a crown, subconsciously, all that patient hears is you need to clean your room, you need to take out the trash, you need to do your homework. And rebellion or uh, just pushback occurs. When you tell someone what they need to do, uh, almost an organic subconscious pushback occurs. And that's what we want to avoid. So today we're going to talk about how to get out of that and approach it from the pull purchase, want. We're going to replace the four-letter word need with a four-letter word want. No more will we say, you need a cleaning. Instead, you're going to hear things like, Mr. Jones wants to get this taken care of. That's the, the subtle things that we're going to move forward with in case acceptance through case presentation formula. So fact number one, people buy for their reasons, not your reasons. We go make purchases. Here's a, here's a purchase I made. This is a purchase I made several years ago because this is the family. And so on the right is Noah. He is now 19, going to be a sophomore in college. Tyler, right there in the middle with his hand up. He is 17, going to be a junior in high school. Then you've got little Naomi. She's turning 11 this month. And Maya is 15 and just went to driver's ed. So you can tell this picture's a few years old. Now, I spent a lot of money in California to put a pool in my backyard. And that's a payment that you have to figure out how to make. And you know, as hot as it is here where I live, it makes it so that it almost becomes a need. It becomes that need purchase. But the, the real kicker was my wife and I, Abby, we wanted to, there's that word want, we wanted to have this right here. When we went to our pool company, it was a lot of design and, and how do you want it to look and how are you going to make it affordable and all sorts of things. It was very logical. It made a lot of sense. When we were all done, this was day one, the water had just filled up. 
and that water is cold. It's right out of the hose. That's why the hot tub's open, ready for them to jump in when they get in this cold water. That also might be why Noah's face looks like that, a little bit scary. And so it's going to be cold getting in. But Abby and I bought something that day. We didn't buy a pool, right? We bought the enjoyment of seeing our kids' faces. We bought the enjoyment of knowing that our kids' friends were going to come over to our house to hang out and not the other way around. So we bought something more than a pool. We bought the emotional side of that, what we call the why. Now when you go to the pool company that's been around for decades, this is the picture that's on their glass window when you first walk in, which I love because, again, it's not just about the materials. It's about what's happening. And so we have to understand that people buy for their reasons, not your reasons. Why are you buying what you're buying? There are people showing up in your dental office that have a driving force behind it. And so, you know, before we ever do presentation, there's conversations that have to be had before we ever look in their mouth to find out what they're looking for and why they want that. And so that question would be, you know, a different conversation to have. But why is that so important to you becomes a key component to a preclinical conversation. Why is that so important? When they tell you what they're looking for and you ask, why is that so important to you, that keyword important and why, all of a sudden you're hearing things like, I want peace of mind. I don't want to lose my teeth like my grandfather did. I got a job interview coming up. Um, my, my granddaughter is getting married and I want to have a beautiful smile for the wedding photos. Or I'm getting married, I want to have whiter teeth. Uh, there is a, a component to that, the why, that drives all of your patients. Sometimes it's simply just getting out of pain and take care of that now, it's the rest of it. Sometimes it's a healthy patient showing up and they want to maintain that level of health. Why is maintaining that level of health so important to you? Peace of mind, longevity. Those are things that we've got to document so that later on when it comes to case presentation, we use that as the really the driving force, them buying for their reasons, not your reasons. So let's set fact number one aside and let's look at our second fact. Fact number two, people don't buy a solution to a problem they don't perceive to have. I joke around a lot and say people that live on dirt floors don't buy vacuum cleaners. And this is a simple fact that we take for granted in dentistry. A lot of the times when I go into offices and I observe and I listen for a day and I do a practice evaluation, I hear case presentations sound like this. Well, Mr. Jones, you need a crown on number two and you need two fillings on the upper right. Uh, and past that, tooth numbers three and four. So there's three teeth in there that you need treatment. Go up front and see Betty, and she'll get you scheduled. All sorts of rules being broken there. I'm telling them what they need. I'm putting treatment in front of a problem. The patient doesn't even understand why. Then I ask Betty, I say, do you ever call to remind the patient or do your courtesy call for their appointment? And right when you pick up the phone and you say, hi, this is Betty, calling from Dr. Nottingham's office, and they interrupt you and they say, oh, I'm so glad you called. I was just getting ready to, and Betty finishes my sentence, call you. That tooth's not even bothering me. I'm going to go ahead and cancel that appointment now. Now, I don't know why all, all of the, the quote Bettys, the administrators out there can finish that sentence. <laughs> I joke a lot and say I do a seminar on how to look for patients on how to cancel your dental appointments to keep job security going, but that always... Can't be, it can't be that. They know they joke. But everyone has the same understanding about their patients is if they don't perceive a problem 
why would they spend thousands of dollars for a solution? If it's not hot where I live, I'm not buying the pool to begin with. If I live on the dirt floor, I'm not buying the vacuum cleaner. So we move into what's called the 95-5 principle. A lot of you probably heard of the 80-20 principle. I, I, I like to say I invented the 95-5 principle. So 95 slash 5. And what this is really a, a simple analogy for a rule for is that it's almost an exaggeration that 95% of what we focus on has to be on the condition. What's wrong in the patient's mouth? You've all heard the, the phrasing co-diagnose, yet we ignore the patient in that process and we just quietly look through things. We call out real, all, all the dental jargon. There's a, an old MODL amalgam on tooth number two with a class five buckle that's got a furcation. Uh, let's go ahead and schedule that for a crown. And you're calling this out in front of the patient during the exam. Now, all of you know I broke a lot of rules there. Too much t dental jargon for your assistant to chart or your hygienist to chart. And that last word there, I'm recommending crown. That's going to need a crown. And I bet all of you are thinking the same thing. When a patient hears the word crown, what do they think of right away? Money. And now we've gotten to a place where we've flip-flopped it. We've put treatment in front of condition. Now, we set a whole bunch of conditions there that a lot of us in dental, uh, the dental world would understand. However, that patient didn't get any of it. It was over their head. The only thing they heard was crown. And we wonder why they don't understand what the problem is. And so a lot of times it ends up being dump truck dentistry. We go into the old way of pushing. That needs a crown. Go up front and see Betty. She'll get you scheduled. That is a push. We say we hate selling in dentistry, and yet we do it. We break that rule all the time. We want to, instead of saying, all right, well, here's my case, old, old way, dump truck. On tooth number two, that's going to need a crown. Tooth number three, that's an MOD onlay. We're going to make both those right here in our office with same-day technology. It's amazing stuff. Let me show you how this works. It's all porcelain. It's beautiful. And then, and then on the other side, in the upper left, you're going to need two fillings over there for cavities, and then, uh, then we're going to get you scheduled the hygienist to do four quadrants of scaling and root planning to help your periodontal disease. All of this is just like dumping it right on the patient. They're overwhelmed. All they're hearing is dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. They're not getting it. If we can rewind and start over and we do a preclinical uh, conversation, we find out that why, why is that so important to you? We'll say, we'll say confident smile. And then we go through an exam, and we're calling out issues that we're hearing, the patient's hearing the problems and the language that they understand. So I call it out to my assistant, Ginger. I say, Ginger, tooth number two, there's an MODL amalgam in there with a large old filling, metal filling that's actually breaking away from the tooth. It's got defective margins on it, and I'm concerned about the decay that's underneath that filling. Full coverage. Tooth number three, and I move on. And that's code for Ginger to know to put crown in the treatment plan as I go, if that's what you want to do. But it holds back on, on the 95 slash 5. I'm able to just focus in on condition and get that patient to buy into what's going on. They're hearing that concern, and I'm using technical jargon for my assistant, and then I'm translating it for my patient so that they get it. Now, I can only do that for all on the same page, and we've worked on this as a team. We've had a team meeting on how to just do a couple of systems there. Verbal skills are also systems. You systematize it. So talking about 
the uh, preclinical pre interview, finding the why, and then talking about overhear psychology, getting that patient to buy into the condition, talking about 95 slash 5. Those are all systems that we have to have in our tool belt. So in the 95%, we're focused on condition, and we're also focused on consequences. And I can do that in my exam process, but there really only are two, maybe three consequences that we're worried about in dentistry. In medicine, it would be high blood pressure is the condition, heart attack or stroke is the consequence, right? In dentistry, we've got gum disease and the condition as a condition, and then consequence of gum disease is what? Tooth loss. So we have recession, eventual bone loss, and tooth loss. And we've got another condition, decay. Decay untreated leads to a consequence of not treatment, not a root canal, but a toothache. That is the consequence. And then we talk about how to get out of that consequence. I said possibly three. The third one could be aesthetics, how it looks when you have receding gums and black spaces or missing teeth and slanted teeth and gaps. That could also be, uh, for certain patients, a consequence to talk about. So all of that falls in the 95% category. Hopefully you wrote down 95 slash 5, like a fraction. The 5% rec represents the treatment and the amount of time you're spending on talking about treatment. For most people, that is a flip. For most people, that is, wow, I spend a lot of time talking about treatment, and I spend a little bit of time talking about the problem. We're getting away from, we, I'm going to go back, right? If we go back to this, right, we want patients to buy a condition before they're ever interested in buying a solution. Well, how do you know if, they're, if they bought into the problem? Well, you can always ask them. You say, did you buy the problem today, Mrs. Jones? <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Cross that out. No. When we say to a patient, these are the concerns, these are the problems, one way you may hear is, well, doctor, what do I have to do to fix it? That's when you know that they're in. If that's not the case, then we're going to ask them if they're in, and I'm, and I'm going to get to that here in a moment. Once they say yes, we're moving beyond that line and into the 5%. That slash in your 95 slash 5 is a barrier. It's a, it's a physical image, a representation of what not to do. do. Do not go beyond this point, right? So look at the line here, right? This is the 95-5 principle. You've got your conditions all written down, all documented in your tooth chart, in your, your uh, clinical record, all the conditions. Sometimes I go into charts and they don't have conditions documented. It's not there. Well, if I'm an administrator and I'm taking a, we talk about preventing cancellations, but you wonder why we get cancellations. People don't have buy-in, and I go to try to stop this cancellation because of reasons why it's important for them to keep it, not because of policy and threatening of a charge. But I go to the patient and I say, I know that Dr. Nottingham was really concerned about this tooth in the upper right because, and I pull up the chart, and I don't have this as an administrator, I lose. And so the 5% is that treatment. And what we're saying is don't cross that line, right? Do not cross this line. This is that line between 95 and 5. The only time you're allowed to cross that line is when the patient has shown you that they really believe there's a problem, and now you can start talking about treatment. It's a little 5% window. And even once they say yes to that, you go back to condition when you start communicating this, this plan to your, the next person on your team. 
Thanks so much to our guests and thank you for listening. I'd like to invite you to join us for a powerful, no-cost online training event called Dental Practice Excellence, where we will explore three critical areas of the dental practice and how excellence can lead to long-lasting success. I have some startling statistics you need to be aware of. The average practice easily fails to convert 87 missed call opportunities per month. Now, whether it's a missed call, or your team couldn't answer the insurance question, or handle price shoppers, or couldn't build enough rapport on the phone, thousands of dollars of potential revenue is being lost on each missed opportunity. Even if your office misses only one phone opportunity per day, when combined with broken appointments and the cost of employee turnover, you are losing $200,000 per month minimum, a quarter million a year lost due to just a few activities that can be improved with an emphasis on customer service. To make the problem worse, 97% of dentists train their team less than once a year on these customer service skills. And when I ask dentists that they should be training, they say to me, yes. And then I ask, well, why don't you do it? They go, I don't know. Join us for a limited time, no cost online training event, Dental Practice Excellences. Go to allstardentalpractice.com to register. You will learn in this webinar how to uncover hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue with just two basic skill sets, how to reduce employee turnover by 25%, motivate team members, become 400% more productive, and ultimately have your business work for you. We'll also provide step-by-step -step verbiage on how to reduce or eliminate broken appointments, where how do we handle the toughest questions on the phone, and how to do this without manipulation, scare tactics, or dishonesty. So register today at allstardentalpractice.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.